the third window from the right two flights up by the third window from the right the third hello and welcome to episode six of the third window films podcast my name is ben and with me is adam from third window films And this podcast is a monthly celebration of Third Window Films from the perspective of the fan, being me, and the man, being Adam Terrell himself. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, how you doing, Adam? Yeah, you know, uh, no, no Tom Mez this month, uh, unfortunately. We'll miss his smooth uh, voice and his, uh, <laughs> his, his t- total unbelievable knowledge of, of all aspects of uh, Japanese cinema. It's, uh, it was great having him on, but yes, we can't have him on every month, unfortunately. I was going to say, it's going to feel a bit weird for a bit, isn't it? Just having the two of us again. He's such a great speaker. So I feel embarrassed, actually, like uh, just listening to his lovely, smooth uh, voice. And uh, when I speak, I get, uh, I, I, I don't want to speak anymore. I want to give up and run <laughs> home. <laughs> He's very, um, uh, like, willfully ambiguous as well. I was asking him questions about, you know, oh, you're doing a new project, are you? And all this is like, I can't really talk about it. <laughs> Yes, he thinks before he speaks, uh, and I just speak uh, <laughs> nonsense. So uh, yes, it, it's 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 uh, obviously we're missing that uh, that uh, yeah level of uh, intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, even though the intelligence level has been dumbed down immeasurably, the audience will still stick with us. Let's hope so. Well, talking about uh, <laughs> intelligence being uh, lowered. We have some really crazy, fun films to talk about this month, eh? Yes, and, and one film that has uh, dozens of films inside of it, so we could talk for, for hours about it, uh, though we shall <laughs> try to keep this uh, to a, um, a regular time. Yeah, try and kick, try and rein it in. But yeah, so your big release this month is uh, another double bill. It's, yeah, Funky Forest, The First Contact, and The Warped Forest. Um, yes, and uh, the Funky Forest is a proper, proper cult film. Uh, I remember seeing it myself, obviously, when it came out. Uh, it must be um, about the same time the Third Window film started, so 17 years ago. Uh, fantastic film. And, and Warp Forest, a film that actually I did see uh, in 2011 when it played at a few film festivals, but it was never released anywhere. Uh, and this is the first time it has ever been released. It hasn't wasn't even released in Japan in cinemas. Uh, so it's totally, totally rare rare film uh and yeah. it's uh yeah great it's it's so wild that story because i mean we'll go into it more when we talk about the film in a bit more depth but yeah you said like um uh sorry who's the director um Shunichiro miki thanks you that's it yeah miki he um he basically sunk all his life savings into this thing didn't he over over years and years made it all himself on his own money and then it didn't even really get a proper release or dis- distribution well, it didn't. He, I, because he put all of his own money to, into it. I don't think. Uh, well, there obviously wasn't a company telling him you have to release it or, or having it set up for a release. I mean, if you make a film completely independently, usually a director doesn't know how, doesn't know distribution, doesn't know you know the other aspects of of, of a film's uh, production. Usually, you need obviously a producer and and a company to help out with those things. And he just did it all himself. Just made something that he wanted to do with his own money. And that was it. And then when he when he finished it, like, like many directors, you know, when they when they finish making a film, that's it. You know, it's uh, they move on to the next one. Uh, except he didn't move on to anything afterwards. He's uh, he just made this uh, oddity and it uh, disappeared. I just would have thought because you know, if 
if you've got someone else producing the film, then it's their prerogative to get it released. So it gets, you know, some money back at the box office, for example, or on home release. But if it's your money, I would have thought you were even more invested in trying to get some cash back from it. And I did ask him all these things when I interviewed him because I, yeah. and I asked him the same question over and over again it, it, because I, I sort of wanted an answer myself uh, because you would. You would want to know if it was my money. I would obviously want it back. But uh, So I kept on pushing him in different, <laughs> with different questions trying to see, you know, like why he didn't do it. But I just don't think he thought about that or even cared about that. And, and it must have been a lot of money. I mean, he told me it was enough uh, money to build a house with. And, and I don't know. I mean... Uh, yeah, you, you know, who knows um, with some with these creative types, uh, you know, they don't really think about that. But then saying again, I mean, Shunichiro, Miki, uh, Katsuhito Ishio and Anaki, the three directors who made Funky Forest as well, they're all commercial directors and they're quite famous commercial um, directors in Japan. So mm. I think they have lots of money. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, maybe not as much money as to spend on that to make a film and then just throw it away. Uh, but they must obviously have enough money to, to do things like that because in Japan, you only make money as a director if you're making commercials and they've made a lot of commercials. That's amazing. I want, is that a hard gig to get into then, commercial directing? Because I would have thought that's a lot easier to get into than actual filmmaking. And if that's where the money is. No, I mean, uh, obviously you have to have a certain talent uh, and you have to have very good connections to make commercials. I mean, obviously connections and companies like Dentsu, who are these big uh, commercial uh, production companies in Japan. If you get into those crowds, uh, then obviously you can do it. But otherwise, um, yeah, making films, uh, especially as a director, because you don't own any aspect of the, of the, the film like you may like uh you know in the west you have unions that pay money to directors afterwards or you have certain rules that mean that directors can make money from the profits but um in japan you don't have any of those rules and the directors their their salary is very low for one uh, for directing a film and then you don't have any if that film is successful that no money comes back to you either so it's a bit of a mugs game uh so if, if you can make commercials and then, then yes uh you make them and nowadays obviously uh I think it's you don't get paid as much as you used to, but those three directors were like in the sort of heydays of um, right. of making commercials for big companies and making big money for it. So they're doing all right. Yeah, nice, good, good, good. Well, look, I mean that makes perfect sense when you watch. I mean, so I, I, when I came to Funky Forest for the first time, it was when you sent me the check disc. <laughs> um, and again, I, I've been a fan of East Asian cinema for such a long time, but I have I wouldn't say at all that I've been you know, um, or seen everything there is, you know, there's so much stuff that I'm still discovering now, like so much. Um, and I'd heard of this film, but when I actually sat down to watch it, I was like genuinely just kind of blown away by what I was actually seeing. Like it, it's, I mean, it's a work of pure surrealism, right? That's the first thing you've got to say. Like, it's just this really surreal set of experimental short films that have kind of been, edited together and around each other um they all have their own kind of distinct voice which is what you're saying you know you've got these three very different commercial directors but all have this kind of sensibility of making short impactful uh yeah media i guess um yeah i just i was so impressed and yeah so obviously then going into the walk forest straight after i thought damn let, let's go into more, for more of the same of this and that just got even weirder for me, where it was all like this, like hyper erotic, like almost like kinky, um, yeah, like alien stuff. 
I was, yeah, just brilliant. I mean, anyone that follows me on Twitter or sees my letterbox, they've already seen my thoughts about it. I think it's, they're, they're both such cool, amazing films. I love them. Yeah, I mean, Funky Forest, as I said, I mean, you've got these three directors who are doing, who've got, got loads of connections because they're commercial directors, which means they're working with the big names. Plus, they've got loads of money and they're, three of them are perverts. Uh, I mean, <laughs> hey, proper, proper perverted guys. I mean, I, I've met all three of them. I mean, maybe Katsuhito Ishii is less of a of sort of um, obvious perverts. Uh, and maybe <laughs> the other two are a bit more obvious perverts. I mean, I, I don't know how to say what's an obvious and what's not an obvious pervert, but they're quite <laughs> strange, strange people. Uh, and they made this movie, Funky Forest, which is just them doing what they want to do. Because when you have money and you've got a name for yourself, I mean, you get this all the time with like directors who make these sort of strange, sort of, um, you know, uh, films for themselves, like sort of masturbation product, um, projects. And this is yeah. theirs. I mean, it's just just completely pissing about, don't not just messing with their friends. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's totally, totally out there. And and uh, the great thing is that you've got three perverts that are very different, but they're also very talented perverts. And <laughs> the, the three of them make a, a balance to what you're watching, in essence. I mean, you have different styles of perversion, uh, a talented yeah. perversion. But yes, Walt Forrest is just one straight up pervert. So whether you, <laughs> whether you like his style or not, that depend, decides uh, whether you can stick with the film for a long time. And I think it's a lot harder film to watch uh, than, than Funky Forest, uh, Walt Forrest, that is. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Um, I think going from Funky Forest to the Walt Forest for the first time, I was a bit kind of underwhelmed by uh, the Warped Forest. But then I've watched them both again since you sent me the the official release. Um, and I really liked the Warped Forest a lot more the second time. I think when I knew what I was going into um, a bit more. Because you're right, it is, I think, a lot of the reason that Funky Forest is such a classic and it actually works so well, even though it's so disparate and, you know, um, fragmented, is Ishii, basically. It's Katsuhito Ishii. It's his heart that he puts into it. Like his sections with um, the three brothers. Um, I <laughs> uh, just, just amazing. I don't even know how to explain it. Like um, there's this like a slightly overweight, young, looks like an American boy, right? Who's like yeah, a yeah. little brother. Andrew, Andrew, yes, uh... Yeah, I think the funny thing about that, that Andrew uh, and the guitar brother itself is, you know, as we'll, we'll, we'll talk about is, you know, especially Tadano Bosano, who is um, yes. obviously the, the the sort of string that, that um, brings all these together because um, him and Katsui Toishi are sort of synonymous with each other. And the guitar brother is, in, in essence... Tadano Bosano is thought is such an amazing actor, and Katsuhi Tuishi knows that as well. He's worked with him since um, Shark Skin Man, and uh, obviously through Party Seven, and in in many different roles in Funky Forest because he plays mm. many characters. And Guitar Brother is basically Katsuhi Tuishi trying to find a way that would that would make it complicated for Tadano Bosano to act. So he's sort of just, just pissing around with him, like I'm going to put you in this very strange situation with this like American kid who's not an actor who's really fat and just eats Snickers all the time and like <laughs> you've got to deal with that situation as an actor. That is so and... <laughs> fucking cool. I love that. <laughs> because it is, it's, it's, it's really, really funny because you see him be like, do you think this, this song will help me get women? And he's like, and the kid says like, I think he says like, I don't know in Japanese, and then just yeah. keeps repeating, "I don't know, 
I don't know. It's like, <laughs> of course you know. You must have an opinion. I don't know. And yeah, it's so funny. Their interactions are amazing. And he's, I think he's teaching him kanji at some point, isn't he? In the... <laughs> he probably he'd better teaching him for sure because, uh, yeah, the kid doesn't speak uh, doesn't speak English. Doesn't speak Japanese. So, um, but then yeah, you've got the older the... brother as well, played by uh, Susumu um, uh, Terashima, who's just phenomenal. I've loved him ever since I saw started watching the Kitano films, and um, he's so damn good in this. But whenever he walks into the room, he's always like, either can you not? be nicer to each other and be good brothers or he's like oh that's nice you're acting like real brothers i like this <laughs> and it's such a small little part but it's like the perfect bookends to this amazing this amazing chemistry that's the thing obviously you know like uh, he's so well known and so typecast as this like yakuza that i that you know that, that's the talent of somebody like katsuhito ishii is to like put this yakuza character in this as this charming brother uh but it, and also as a homeroom teacher in homeroom which is oh. another which is also katsuhito ishii's um one of his segments and that's one of I mean that is a classic. I I watched it again just today, um, and I was just laughing because there's a also um a director's cut uh, of the film which is three hours long, and mm. I, I unfortunately couldn't put it on another disc because uh, the whole project would be get very expensive. So we cut just many parts of that and put it onto the Blu-ray uh, as as extra deleted scenes. But yes, that has loads of extended homeroom scenes, and uh, you know that's so funny. Uh, so and the, the thing about that also the backstory like the producer of the film is in the homeroom as well and you have like the makeup person and then you have like Kikuchi Rinko who's like who'd won the the uh, was nominated for an Oscar in Babel and then it's like now one of like the big biggest names of Japanese cinema and you uh, Hideaki Anno you know like the creator of Evangelion and yeah. uh, you know like just these mad just like assemble assembly of just like of of all different ages and 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 styles and put them in this classroom taught by a uh, Susumi Terajima. And it's, uh, it's just it's pure comedy the, gold. The genius of it. Exactly. And I even noticed, I'm sorry, I haven't got his name up, but um, the, the, the boy who plays the son in the taste of tea. Yes. Um, yes, yes, He's yes. in that room as well. Um, and just the way that like, it's always again bookended with this amazing Terashima introduction where he walks through the door and then he has the, the eraser fall on his head and then he smiles at the classroom like he's really genuinely so happy to be with these kids um it's so cute like having that yakuza yeah. character and it's like the, like the, the most like obvious like classroom prank in the book and it's like i mean that's so charming and in yeah, I don't think it would such a simple thing would work with any other actor or handled by any other director. But it's 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 perfect though those um those class those homeroom scenes. Amazing, yeah, no, so good. Um, and actually, Shunichiro Miki, the the director, one of the three directors, uh, is in the homeroom as well. Um, he makes lots of cameos in Funky Forest and Taste of Tea. Um, he's at the very back left of homeroom with a wig. Uh, one of the most vibrant. Uh, yellows of the classroom uh wearing a women's wi wig in the back and he also um is he one of the yeah. two squabbling comedians at the start yes the mo brothers uh with um ikitoroki who is the assistant to hideaki Anno, and he's also in the homeroom as well he's actually in, he's two, in loads of it yeah he's in loads of it he's even like he's he's used as the molds for um the sort of grotesque uh headed uh had like the, the music, musical instruments you know where the oh, one yeah, yeah, yeah. the guy with that with that the um uh <laughs> train hat uh, who's pulling on on his uh yeah, yeah, yeah. middle appendage uh, 10 times uh <laughs> to change his face that's all also uh, ikitotoroki's face <laughs> amazing 
Well, I was going to talk to you about that because when the uh, the film starts and you get those two uh, comedy brothers, you said the Mo brothers talking. I was like yeah. getting kind of like ideas of what it might be this film that I'm watching, and it reminded me a bit of Woody Allen's um, everything you always wanted to know about sex but were afraid to ask. You know that yes, kind yes. of educational thing. But then it just completely goes off on this random tangent. And that's when I was like, what the fuck? Um, yeah. And it makes sense now, like you said, that it was just a, a vanity project that I guess was never even supposed to be seen. It's just something they were doing for fun and it works for them. And that's all that matters, right? Yeah. And it, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't make money in Japan either. Uh, it was a bit of a bomb. I think it was just too surreal. I mean, and despite that cast is, is unbelievable. I mean, uh, Who's in it in all the different segments? They're all the biggest names of of, of names of names of uh, of Japanese cinema and uh, music and all that. Uh, and yet, uh, yeah, it bombed because it's just too too surreal. I think. Uh, right. Well, look. So one of the um, one of the bits that I really loved, and again, I, I I keep talking about the first time I saw it because that's when I was just sitting in awe of like I didn't know what the hell was going on, but it was the Naughty and Takafumi stuff. Um, which is all done by Anarchy, right? Yeah. Um, so the first time I saw that, I was like, okay, this is interesting. It's like an, a Japanese English teacher who is in love with a student or a student that he used to teach, but is now graduated, I think, just to yeah. keep it like legal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she kind of only sees him as a friend. And he's like this DJ and he's mixing, but really shoddily. <laughs> and she just tells him to his face, like, that was lame. Uh and I was like, that's a really weird segment. I don't get it. And then later you get these two dreams from them, one from him and one from her. And they're like these super elaborate, really creative dance musical sequences that were just incredible. And I, yeah, I was, I was completely flawed, completely blown away. I sent you a video of my partner doing a version of a dance. Remember, um, she was really impressed too. Anyway, then I went away and I watched Anarchy's previous film, which was an old... Um, uh, a TV movie called Frog River from like very early 2000s. And I think it was actually written by Katsuhito Ishii as well. Um, and that was about a, a bedroom DJ who, you know, is in love with this woman. Um, he gets kind of um, emasculated by a bunch of thugs uh, and he gets challenged to a duel, like an actual duel with like, like a jousting duel. Um and it's about him trying to reclaim his masculinity. And having seen that, I was like, oh, this makes so much more sense now. Like the, the, the DJ aspect of everything, um, uh, the kind of unrequited love aspect. Uh, it was just so cool. So, yeah, just, just knowing more about that director and where he came from. And it, it gave me more, if that makes sense, you know. So yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. he's a proper music uh, collector. He's a big vinyl collector uh, of house uh, uh, house music. Um, so, I mean, that that's one major aspect of him. But but yes, you know, he's massive pervert as well. And uh, you know, I th- <laughs> and you know, the whole entire segment of uh, of Takarumi's dream is that you know he needs to he wants to. I mean, obviously, you have the the mixing, which is a a, a, a vagina. Yeah. Uh, the doors, and then it's all just about he has to dance good enough to prove that he can can be can satisfy her, satisfy yeah. her needs, and uh, and he has to mix to satisfy her her sexual needs. So it's uh, a <laughs> you know, 
but I always love the fact that that she's forcing him to dance better, and she's saying his dancing is crap all the time. But then at the last scene of the film, her dancing is really, really crap herself. <laughs> and I love the scene because at the scene, you, if you listen carefully, you could hear um, the choreographer off screen telling advice to her. Oh, really? You can sort of hear, if you listen to, um, you hear like a one, two, three, four, like move left, move right. Like you, obviously in Japanese, but um, you, you oh. hear that at the, at the very end. And, and she's a crap dancer. She's telling him all the whole time, you know, if you want to satisfy me, you've got to dance well. And she can't dance at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but do as I say, not as I do, right? That's the, uh, that's the motto. Easy to, easy to say. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, actually, because I was going to say, one of the things that I thought was interesting was like the Takafumi whole thing about, um, him mixing was that he was saying that there's a whole universe in each album and he likes the idea of like mixing these universes together to make an ultimate mix and yeah. I was like that's kind of what this film is in a way like it's these three different directors universes all merging together to create this unique mix um and, and there's I'm an sure... A side and a B side as well. So, uh, you know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a really funny list, like intermission, which you just sit through and it's just a, ca- a clock counting down. <laughs> yeah. Them trying to uh, be uh, so that they're like a Kurosawa film or some like classic, like uh, classic film with an intermission. And it's uh, their joke. Um, but you, you do sort of need the intermission, I think. Uh, and uh, we needed it for the audio commentary. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought it was so cool and so clever. And I mean, I've been given. I gave it five stars both times I saw it. I I think it, for me personally, it works so well, and I think it's a film I'm just going to revisit over and over and over again because there is so much you can get from it, um, and I'm I'm sure there's stuff I've missed that that will come back to again. We haven't even really talked about Miki's stuff, like the 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 monsters and the the, the instruments and. Like um, I think the I think the section's called "Want to Go for a Drink" or something like that, <laughs> and it's those. You... <laughs> yeah, sorry, please. I, well, I was going to say, are, are those two young lads? Are they comedians? Because they are fucking hilarious together. No, no, no. That's I mean, your Kase is in, is is uh, Takifumi. You know, um, he's he's a very good actor. Uh, he's one of the the most famous actors in Japan, and um, you know, he's he's not a comedian. He's he's uh, yeah, he's in the film in very different different segments. Uh, and a very good actor, uh, but I don't think the other girl was. And <laughs> the girl, that that poor poor girl who who is trying just has to, to insert something into her navel, yeah. basically, yeah, and try to figure out what the hell's going on because I, I'm sure uh, that that she, I think she's just a model or something like that, not not a, not a, a professional or well known actress, and um, has to be put in that situation that uh, I'm sure she has no idea what's going on because a lot of it obviously is done on green screen afterwards as well. So I think. Uh, you have to be quite a good actor, especially when when the two of them are talking to that like uh, the small sushi chef, uh, you know, <laughs> obviously on those green screens. So um, you know, unless you, yeah. you you know what you're doing or you know what's going on, uh, you know, it could be quite complicated to understand on set. The thing that again, I, I I'm wary. We're just kind of going through the scenes bit by bit now, so that people can just <laughs> see the films themselves. But <laughs> like you're watching this scene that is so out there and wild. This this weird Teletubby with a huge like penis looking thing up coming out the front that she has to tug and pull on then there's like a tv with a a butthole on it uh just so crazy but in the middle of all that he by mistake elbows his friend in the face (laughs) and there's this completely separate thing where he's like oh i'm not mad but can you just watch out he's like you're mad at me now aren't you and 
every time I just cry with laughter because it's so, it's just so well performed and the timing is perfect. And then he's like, I'm just joking. I'm not mad at all. It's crazy. And like, ah. Oh. And, I you know, I it. think those scenes, um, because they're short as well, I really think they, they work um, more than, I think, well, Warp Forest, as you said, like the first time, especially if you've just seen Funky Forest, yeah. Warp Forest can be hard to get into because it's so dragged out and it's it doesn't have that sort of punchy quirkness that, that his his segments in funky forest do so you do need to sort of give you give war forest some space i think uh, before you you watch it and yes a second time watching it especially um I, the first time i watched it because i it had been so long after funky forest and i was expecting myself also something like funky forest um and i was very disappointed the first time i saw it but then when i met him and i and i recorded the audio commentary with him and interviewed it with him and then i watched it again after that yes you do appreciate it a lot, a lot more so i am um, i think yeah. uh, obviously it's, it's no point watching a, a film with audio commentary before you watch it yourself but um it's good to watch it ag again with audio commentary and maybe watch the interview and i mean obviously that's that's why everything's on the blu-ray as is but um there's a lot of uh it's very interesting in that respect totally yeah i completely agree because th there's a lot more to it than you think like he he actually you, you're right i mean i said uh in my review i put this is less of a sequel or companion piece to funky forest and more of a horny and perverted younger sibling and it kind of is like like you said it is perverted but there is sweetness in it and there is a, a message beyond it. You know, it's, it's about like, you know, dreams and how, uh, you know, how our realities can, we can live in our dreams sometimes if we don't, you know, stay grounded and things like that. Um, which again was really interesting. And, and you've got so many amazing performers in it, but the, the thing that's so impressive to me about Miki is his um, production design. So like you, you were saying earlier, like he probably spent as much as he could have built a house with the money he spent on this film. But like, I've got to think, I mean, how much money was spent on the design and the production of that penis gun alone? <laughs> I don't know. And if he had more money, I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, Funky Forest was done on a lot bigger budget um, because it's a studio film. And that's where you see some of the really high level production designs that you don't you still, I mean, obviously, Walt Forest does have that to to an extent, but but um, you know, I think if if he had a lot more money to spend, then he would it would be make something a lot more uh high quality. I mean, he talks about that a lot uh, when I interviewed him as well. You know, uh, you know, he he's very uh he's a stickler and he's very precise about what he wants, and I think within only the budget he could he could make what he did with War Forest and, and obviously all the money went into making the, that aspect of the film uh, because but it's it, it's pretty amazing for for a, a completely independent film I yeah absolutely I mean the, the things that he does brilliantly are like the structure of it right so it does feel reminiscent of Funky Forest and the fact that it feels like a bunch of disparate weird random non sequitur stories that are like loosely tied together. But again, when I've watched it the second time, I was like, actually, this is a pretty coherent narrative, beginning, middle and end. And you've got that whole uh, Fumi Nikaido storyline, which really seems a bit kind of muted for most of the film. And then when you get to the end and you realize what she's doing, you're like, oh shit. And it does all tie together perfectly. I'm not going to compare it to something like, you know, Pulp Fiction, but it is that kind of thing where it's so backwards and forwards and you have to pay attention and keep up with it. But then eventually it does all come together and gel. 
Yeah, but at the same time, actually, you are talking about a film that didn't have a script. Uh, <laughs> War Forest. I mean, War Forest is basically just like uh, a few points of a story. So it has like a bit, beginning, middle, and end of a story, but no nothing in between it in terms of a script. So it is basically, as you said, like short stories that were sort of done ho- ho- mostly by ad lib. Like the setting and the um, obviously the physical uh, effects uh, and the creatures were made, and the the concept of what this scene or what this short film within this this uh, larger story is to be, and then just ad lib it yourself. So obviously, also the ad libbing. I mean, if it's like you got somebody like Tadano Sano and he's ad libbing a lot as well in um, in Funky Forest. You know, he's such a a brilliant. Uh, actor in re- in regards to to to, to presence and ad libbing, and maybe with Walt Forest, some of those people aren't to that level, to the yeah. level of the Funky Forest, and that also I think um, weighs down the quality com- uh, compared to Funky Forest. I mean, if you took out some of those casts and replaced them with like you know, with like uh, even Hideaki Anno, who's a fantastic uh, actor to, for some reason uh, because he's he's just a director, but um, also Sumiteru Terejima or Asano Tadanobu, you put those people in War Forest and um, I think it would elevate it. Uh, though, you know, Kikuchi Rinko is, is, uh, is great. And Fumi Nikaido, I mean, that's her before Himizu. I mean, it's, sure. it's her, yeah. her first role. And uh, she actually got the role just as like a workshop. Um, like an, like uh, the director did a sort of workshop uh, as not not to do with, with War Forest, but to sort of like, um, you know, directors do this quite often in Japan and say like, just to, they make like a short film or something with like some actors and they they get just people come in and, and that that's how that's how Fumini Kaido was was uh, found so um that was her sort of first main role and uh, and yeah Jesus. now is obviously one of the um the biggest names in, in Japan <laughs> yeah I was gonna say what a discovery eh and again I love that like I wonder if she's embarrassed about this film now being like I wish I hadn't done that you know <laughs> well she actually she's she's I mean she was in Barbara you know the film that I, I produced yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and had lots of uh, sex scenes in that and that's a quite strange film but then again that's a film with um with a, a very well-known director and a very well-known um, manga adaptation but I, I think uh, you know Walt Forest was was never released so there's nothing to really to be embarrassed oh, of so. but it, it, at the same time it's also strange that that with people that are now so big like if you made a film with like tom cruise when he was like a kid like you put it out like 10 times over wouldn't you like because like hey and you know i i was also asking that you know mickey this many times like yeah but you know now for me nikado's like this massive star and now kikuchirinko is like this massive hollywood so just like you could just put this out now in cinemas and just like everyone would come watch it wouldn't they you know like uh and he's like oh yeah maybe they would and it's like just do it then <laughs> you, know, but, you know he just doesn't think like that you know it's it's not really uh yeah he's not that type of person can't you be the bridge can't you be the the, the middleman to get this this happening i'm putting it i'm putting it on blu-ray now <laughs> no in japan on <laughs> I, know, I know i know i should but it yeah i know i i don't really have the, the time of that much time and, <laughs> and you know with something like like legend of the stardust brothers which um which I did so much work for because I was more than anybody else who was connected to the film because I I love that film and I was so mm. desperate to for it to get out there because I was so like like Walt Forest like why is this film from like 1985 that just never ever made it despite the fact that all the people that are, were in it and now like these massive names and you know obviously the people that, that made the film were all had all gone on to to other things and they'd forgotten about it so I put so much effort into um getting that film out there but I don't have the same passion i think for walt forest i mean i think it's quite 
interesting right. film, but I don't like love it like I do Stardust Brothers. You know, I mean, yeah, that's really got to have a lot of passion because you know things like the Stardust Brothers and all the work I I did for that film. You know, that doesn't doesn't make money for me. I mean, it was just like years of just pure passion going mad and and but but zero money in the end of it. So that's yeah, no, yeah, I, I didn't even consider that, and it's kind of what Tom was saying last month. Um, when we were sort of saying, wouldn't you want to write a book about uh, Gekiliu Ishii? Um, and he was like, not really, because there's a whole part of his filmography that I really just don't like. And the amount of time and effort and, you know, sadly, lack of um, uh, return on investment, really, isn't it? Um, at the end of the exactly, day. Exactly, exactly. You have to be you really know. passionate about it and do it for the love rather than the money. And I'm 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 that for Stardust Brothers, but unfortunately not that for Warp Forest. But yeah, I'm putting it out on Blu-ray, and I, I'm I I made the uh, audio commentary with him and, and and the interview, and I spent hours, days, months, subtitling all that stuff. So uh, there's some sort of uh, passion, but not uh, anywhere near the, the the to putting it out in 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 Japan and all that. Yeah, fair enough. Well, when is the the disc coming out in the UK? It's- it's coming out on the 21st of, of March. And uh, yes, it'll also be out in, in America. So uh, this project came to light. I, I It was sort of an after afterwards or a, a, a weird coincidence. Uh, I was talking to the, the, the producer of, of, of Funky Forest uh, and asking, you know, about putting it out. And uh, at the same time, there was also this American company, Era 4444, who are a new company that put out... Um, an, uh, Anatomy, anatomic extinction. Uh, you have to please uh, excuse me. It's not my film, but uh, they. <laughs> you can you can look it up now. It's um, uh, from Nishimura, Nishimura Yoshihiro, um, the director of uh, Tokyo Gore Police, his uh, first film. But anyway, this this company, okay. this small company, came out of uh, America, and they were coincidentally at the same time also looking about Funky Forest. So I also so there was a lot of costs involved with um with putting this out, and a lot of. It, this was also, also an annoying thing, uh, and with with um, that I, a thing that I enc- in, encounter all the time, in which, like, you'd expect a film that has all these massive Japanese names could be re-released in Japan, like maybe even on Netflix or or on a streaming service or uh, on Blu-ray or any other format if it was digitized. And yeah. it's not that expensive to digit to to digitize a, a film. Because this is not a film, a, fi- a thirty-five millimeter to. Uh, it's not a restoration. It was just a digitization, like a made. Uh, so it's it's a slightly different. And the company that that produced the film are own a, they own a post production studio. Right. They're very, so they can digitalize something in house. Like the person who I'm speaking to, he could just go into the next room and like they've got all the decks set up and they can even do thirty-five millimeter, all the restoration. They can do everything, and it's like, well, you you produce this film, your company owns the rights to it. You know, we're in Japan. We're like people like Tadano Sano and all that are really big names. Like you could easily digitalize it and like sell it to Netflix, which would cover the digitization, digital uh, digitization costs. Yeah. Like, why do we have to pay for all this? And they were like, well, we don't have any plans to release it in Japan. It's like, why not? <laughs> like, like, and he's like, if you want to digitize, you guys have to pay for all the costs. And right well, couldn't we just split this with you and you also release it in Japan? It's like, no, we, we, we have no plans for that. We don't want to, we don't, we don't want to do it. And, all right. So I can't do that myself. You know, I have to, 
we need the, an American company. And then I thought, well, we need to split the cost by another company to make it even cheaper. So let me speak to Spectrum Films in France because they, um, they're very close friends of, of mine and they release a lot of similar films as I am. So, and they're like, they wanted to release it as well. So it's like, all right, let me set up the contract with you and the Japanese company. And then we can split the costs of all the digitization and everything else. So we had to do all this. And, 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 and well, since we're splitting costs, you know, we can start, looking at all the extras as well and era 4444 had wanted to make an audio commentary for, for funky forest <laughs> i know now, what you're gonna say here <laughs> yeah I, I i thought it would be because funky forest had loads of extras and even there weren't even enough to put on the discs to be honest i mean and if you look at look at the disc you'll see there's hours of extras but there were even mm. more and we just i just i we just couldn't put them on because it would also have to be costed to uh, digitalize them, then the subtitling and all, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, so, but War Forest didn't have any extras, none. So I, th I thought, all right, I'm going to make an audio commentary with Mickey and, and make a new interview and all that. But, but Funky Forest, it's a, we should just leave it as is. And Era right. 4444 were like, we know we need an audio commentary for Funky Forest. And I, <laughs> I said, look, three people doing an audio commentary, like, you don't understand how much work that is for, for not just getting them all in together and, and the the um uh, the or mainly the subtitling is the main work, and not just the subtitling, but you know it can be a little hard for an audience member to be watching a film that's all, already in a different language, and then have three people speaking at the same time in a different language and trying to read any subtitles that are going on on the screen. Yeah, it's so a bit like, overwhelming. It's overwhelming, and I, and I said to Aerofor, no, no, this is like because I'm an after subtitle list, and it's going to be hell. And they, they said, well, we've already paid the directors to do it, so we're going to do it. And so I said, all right, well, I can't just have it in your release and not have it on mine because we, we're going we to do the same release. And um, I said, all right, I'll go over there and, I, and I'll set it up with them. And I went there. And the moment I sat down, I spoke to them before the commentary. And I said, look, don't speak <laughs> over yourselves and realize that this has got to be subtitled. And the people who are listening to it have to understand like who's speaking, what you know obviously there's there's in terms of something there's only so many words that can go on a screen at a time sure. and if you've got so i i i spoke to all of them and it just take it easy and then like <laughs> within like a minute of it starting i'm like oh fucking hell like um this is impossible how the hell am i gonna say it's really funny i'm laughing this is great you know obviously i speak japanese so aha uh -huh, this is so funny and then at the same time one half my brain is just going fuck 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 <laughs> And, and and fuck 150 minutes of this fucking thing fuck ah <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, and, and and yeah and then i spent a month subtitling it <laughs> wow i mean you did a good job it is overwhelming at times but you, you did a good job with it I, I, my, my mind went to bloody mush when I was doing it. I thought I was going to completely lose the, the, the will to live. And also, you know, subtitling, like if I was doing just a Mickey commentary for Walt Forest, like when one person is speaking, you know, you can keep a certain like um, keeping on a certain subject. And there's also like a, a flow of thoughts. But when you yeah. have three people speaking over each other, like the subjects change often. Like there's just stuff coming in that is completely, completely unrelated to the subject of, of what the other two are speaking about. And if you're watching as an audience member and you you don't understand the language of what's being spoken off screen, spoken off screen and you're just reading these subtitles like. I, I personally was thinking the whole time, like, I don't think anybody's actually going to understand this. So I hope people do. 
uh, at least on the, and I hope it's worth it because uh, honestly, like a month, <laughs> a month of, of doing that, it, it was really tough. So, um, yeah. Well, you told them, you told Error 4444, you said this is going to be a bloody nightmare. And... Yeah, and they said, they said good luck. <laughs> well, yeah, they made out like bandits. They didn't have to worry about it at all. It was all your work. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, you know, I th- because we were able to split all the costs, uh, you know, it, it saved money, um, you know, but I just I think because I've been doing this for a long time, you know, when you when you start up a company uh, and, and you're young and you're very passionate uh, as as they are, you know, you you want to do everything. You want to just like, let's just put everything on the disc and and let's do this and that. And let's and it, it sort of makes sense. But but when you've been doing it for a long time, you're like well it's not really you know we can do some of that you know it's not really necessary to go and do all the others because you might have other work that you've got to do you know you can't just release like one if you're releasing one film every like six months you know it's um it's a lot easier to focus your attention on that uh yeah and uh i'm releasing one every month and it's uh it's quite stressful but uh (laughs) you know i also it's a bit nostalgic you know watching the i i don't want to seem uh uh speaking like uh, above um but um you know it was nice to to see like distributors like them who are starting off and and, and very passionate in uh in in the films they're releasing at, at young ages uh so yeah no i get it i mean i think you, honestly i know I'm, I'm biased but i think you've done an amazing job with the release and and especially like all the stuff you've done obviously you've done all the toshiaki toyota stuff and you've done some really amazing the obayashi set like you've done some huge things recently um so in comparison, this is a relatively smaller one, having just the two films rather than whole collections. But uh, yeah, I think it's brilliant what you've done. And I'm so thankful to have them there. Like I said, I think I'm going to rewatch Funky Forest a hell of a lot, like multiple times a year sort of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I watched it again t- today, uh, as I said. And yeah, I was laughing nonstop. Uh, you know, it, it, you like you, you do catch so many different, especially if you, if you know a lot about um, Japanese culture and you see all these different people... Uh, in the film, or if you do know who, like for example, catching the parts where Shunichiro Miki is is in the background, or, or even like when he the the direct the dog that's a director, you know, um, yeah. better the dog, the big head that that yeah. um, is the translator. That's Shunichiro Miki as well. The um, right, right, right. So you know all these little things. That you, you every time you watch it, you pick up on on a thing. You know, it, it's it's yeah, it's a fantastic film. So good. I was going to say like I've just from talking to you off mic i know that there was a, a a possibility if this sells well that you might have a chance to go through some more katsuhito ishii stuff so i wanted to talk a bit about some of his earlier films if that's all right um for sure because I, I looked into him um and you've obviously released one of his films already the taste of tea which is one of my favorite films of all time i think it's it's just a work of genius um i th- I think it's underseen, to be honest. I think it, it is. It is. I think it. Uh, I think it is underseen um, because if you think about it, it was released on America in America on DVD before, and uh, never in England, and never in many countries, to be honest. And you know that can be the, the, the sometimes the, the curse of Cannes Film Festival is if you get a film into Cannes, which it did. Remember, it played in um in uh, I mean in not in the main competition, but in directors uh, directors fortnight, I believe, or uh, uncertain regard, one of the two. And sometimes a film, when it gets into Cannes, because the expectations are so much around it, uh, 
it becomes so expensive that the people who normally release a film like that aren't able to release it. So, right. you know, Onoda is another sort of example as well. Like uh, it hasn't really gotten out there because obviously it was in Cannes, it was in Cannes and uh, the opening film. So it, the price goes up to a point where like the companies that, that would want to release it can't. And uh, I think Taste of Tea just, you know, if a film isn't distributed, like people just don't see it, obviously. I mean, uh, it can play in Cannes, but, but uh it won't get out there otherwise, and I think it is it is on 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 the scene. Uh, uh, considering it, it is a masterpiece, uh, I believe. Yeah, I yeah, I completely agree. I've seen it so many times now, and every time I get more from it. And again, it has that like irreverent kind of disjointed feel because it, it's almost like Funky Forest in the way that you have these different stories that mold together, but these different stories just happen to be all from one family. So every kind of every family member gets its own little storyline and they're all just so funny and clever and really wise. I think like that's the one thing about it that I get, get from rewatches is like, this is actually really fucking wise. Like this isn't just stupid farting around, like just trying to make people laugh. This has actually got something to say about life and the universe and everything that I think, yeah. yeah, it, yeah, I just love it. It's like Ozu meets, meets funky forest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's the best way of saying it. Um, so yeah, I just loved that. And then, so I went back a bit to the two before that. So his first film was um, with uh, Tadanobu Asano. It's called Shark Skin Man and Peach Hip Girl, um, which is just this, it's, it's an insane film. Basically, um, it starts off with Asano in a cabin having sex with a few different women. <laughs> with a a suitcase full of money next to him and yeah a bunch of gangsters that are chasing him and it becomes apparent that he's basically stolen from Yakuza his boss or something Um, and as he's escaping from these these like (laughs) ridiculously over the top gangsters uh, he bumps into a girl who's trying to escape (laughs) like sexually deviant uncle and they kind of just go on the run together, and yeah, it's I, yeah, it's mental, right? Have you you've rewatched it recently? Have you? I have, I have. Uh, yeah, it's got that uh, that um, I don't want to say like the Tarantino, but but it is that that sort of uh, you know very pop culture dialogue uh, and uh, quite quite quirky quack characters and very um, you know very quickly edited and and very hip. Um, and Tarantino did uh, did watch it and became uh, a fan of it and actually asked Katsuhito Ishii to direct the animation segment of uh, Kill Bill. So um, yes. there is that connection there. Uh, you know, uh, um, and also um, Boba, who's uh, one of the uh, yes uh, people after them in, um, in, uh, in Shark Scene Man, is also in, also in all of these uh, films, including The Walt Forest. And he is uh, one of the head of the, the, what is it, the Crazy 88 uh, or the Crazy Something Something uh, henchman in Kill Bill. So, um, you know, there, there's lots of... Um, connections between them but yes he does have his own unique uh unique style and um Shasuke man it's just it's just fun fun entertainment and, and Tadanobu Asano I mean this should be the Tadanobu Asano show he's like he's amazing and he's so di- he's different in every single one of these films he's just yeah. one of the best uh the most charismatic uh actors uh in the world yeah I completely agree I've like fallen in love with him head over heels <laughs> this month just because I've watched I think I've watched about 10 of his films now and I'm like holy shit I always think of him as Inichi the Killer you know that was like the main film that I saw him in um but yeah god he's amazing there's actually someone else that, in it that I've fallen in love with and it's, uh, it's Tatsuya Gashuin um, uh, yes. 
who's who's in the taste of tea as the grandfather um but my god this guy this character actor is just so funny there's a scene in shark skin man where he's he's like he's been this he's like an amateur hitman so he's been hired to kill uh, asano <laughs> asano basically outsmarts him in this public bathroom and it's them two in the toilet and uh yeah gasherin just keeps going i like you and yeah. and you can see Asano cracking up, being like, "What what the hell are you talking about?" He's like, "I like you." And, oh, I was just crying with laughter. And the thing about Gashrin is that he's in most of Ishii's films, and he's actually in other people's films as well. But you would never recognize him because he's always got so much like hair and makeup on. He's just <laughs> completely different, over the top characters, but just amazing. And now that I know of him, I'm just obsessed, and I'm just looking up <laughs> anything I can find with him in it. You know. Yeah, he's a very, very talented uh, character actor, and, and yes, I think Taste of Tea is is is, is fantastic. Um, yeah, with him, and I think Ishii himself was saying, like, uh, you know, when he went to Cannes, and, and the moment he came on screen, just like the whole audience just like cracked up with laughter, and uh, you know, Ishii was really happy about that as well. You know, the way that the character could easily from the Cannes, you know, snoot snoot the audience to um to to anybody. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's just charming. I mean, I think if that was done by maybe another director, it could be annoying. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if it was directed in a way that was just too over the top, or maybe if the, if the other characters weren't balancing him out in a way, because if you have all the characters like that, it does can get, can get a little you know like uh, forced. Um, sure. But I think I think Ishii's uh, talent is his way is his way to balance things out and and uh, balance characters and actors and, and the story. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Because he has like. Like I said, the hair and he has really funny wigs, but he also has, I think it's his natural eyebrows, but they're very prominent, aren't they? <laughs> you yeah, can recognize him very easily from his eyebrows. So if you if you watch an Ishii film and you see someone with very large eyebrows, it's probably Gashirin. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I love that film. And I was like, right, let's go to the next one, which is Party 7, which um, I was actually more similar to Sharkskin Man than I was expecting where it's basically some people that have stolen or one guy that's stolen money from the mob and he's hiding up in a hotel room and it's all the characters coming into this hotel looking for him or looking at him through a window in the case of Asano's case. Um, and yeah, it's just really funny, really, really crazy and out there. And I could see, I was like, right, I can see how Ishii became the filmmaker he became. I mean, they're a lot more immature. They're a lot more, I think, like you said, you said it right. They're trying to be hip and cool mm. and kind of like the Tarantino-esque, like quick cuts, um, pop culture references. I think uh, Taste of Tea and Funky Forest, or maybe lesser on Funky Forest, but are much more mature films. <laughs> well, um, but but it's it's it's. I think Taste of Tea is is so important in the fact that you know having two films like Sharkskin Man and Party Seven, you could just continue on like that. And many directors who had hits. I mean, Sharkskin Man was a big hit as well. If you could continue this, doing the same thing because they're surefire ways of getting an audience, and everybody likes those sort of like you know. Guy, Guy Ritchie type films. I mean, Guy yeah. Ritchie continued doing that as well until he did that that film with with Madonna. Uh, but, um, <laughs> and then it all went to shit. <laughs> yeah. But then he went back to doing uh, the, those films that he did before. Um, but I think you know, having Party Seven and Shaskin Man, and uh, or the, the other way around, and then Taste of Tea. I think that's uh, shows such um, a maturity uh, yeah. as a, as a director. And um, I mean, it's also I think I mean as we were talking before with, with directors like Shinichi Sukamoto, like. Um, 
you know, it, it's very important to have like a variety of films, even if you have a style. Yeah. And I think Katsuhito Ishii's, you know, he's had got such a brilliant variety of films. I mean, uh, going on to like kids films like Hello Junichi and, um, you know, Redline, what well, he didn't direct, but it's sort of his film. I mean, he wrote, wrote the script and uh, had was his story. So you have this massive variety of, of, of films across the years. Uh, so he's just really one of the, one of the best and you could i don't want to say like undiscovered but like still sort of underrated directors considering the work that the 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 quality of work that he has yeah no you're right again like he's well known in a very niche like corner of of film fandom isn't he but yeah he should be bigger known well i don't want to put you on the spot but i know that you you did mention once that there was kind of like a chance that if if funky forest sells well that we might be able to get Party Seven and Shark Skin Man. Is there any any development or any news on that? It's not just about if it sells well, but also the the, the complications of um, that we always have with uh, with dealing with bloody Japanese companies, uh, and that also is is having. Yes, I've been trying to do um, Party Seven and Shark Skin Man, and I think there's quite a good chance that it will happen. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 the same nonsense of like the Japanese companies not being interested to do it. Um, they're Putting, making, putting all the responsibility, time, effort, and money onto us, and because it can't just be me, me needing to find like workers on their behalf as like a sort of sales agent, except with no commission, trying right. to find distributors around the world who can fund. I mean, who can put the money and and the um the work and the time into helping getting these films out there. So this is something that I've been doing and. I, I think there's there's quite a good chance that the party seven and shots came in that it'll be done. Um, but I can't say anything yet uh, for sure. But I I hope because uh, you know I did Taste of Tea, Funky Forest, and uh, obviously love his films and, and I, I I like him as a person as well. And he's also helping me out as well. He's really when the Japanese companies are pissing me around, I call him up and and he calls up their bosses and then they call me right back. And like and so I've been doing this a lot, getting him to push push the um. The other side and because he's such a famous uh, commercial director like his pushes help a lot that's so cool yeah i mean it's frustrating for you being like you're just getting ignored uh, yeah but no that's awesome that he does that does that for you yeah yeah and I, so sometimes they tell me like can you please stop like asking him to like call us because <laughs> then i get yelled at by my by my boss every time and i say well fucking you guys just do your job because if you're gonna make push me in this position i'm gonna get him to push you guys so <laughs> the, the, like you know i know i i'm not like over some like guy in the west who doesn't have any like connection to these people like i'll call these people up and then i'll get them to push you if you don't if you don't sort yourself out so uh do it sort yourself out <laughs> amazing well yeah i i would love to see those two come out because i think i think they'll be huge hits i think people will love them they're really really good and like i said anyone who's a fan of asano uh, is going to love them both the character he plays in party seven is just amazing <laughs> is it this like really timid meek um again pervert <laughs> he's like oh, a peeping right. tom who gets taken under the wind by this this bigger peeping tom oh man uh, just to go into it too much would be to spoil it but it's just amazing was it captain oh. banana and <laughs> and, and captain yellow oh the the the, 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 the yes the it has one, to have yes. the at the start yeah it does amazing well yeah and there was one more so i looked up that hello juanichi um and i couldn't find anything with subtitles anywhere so i just couldn't see it 
Um, yeah, it's unfortunate um, because uh, it's it's a great, a fantastic uh, kids film that he made, also with uh, Mitsushima Hikari, who's in Smuggler, which you saw. And uh, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to release a film like Hello Junichi, maybe with his uh, uh, his Surasoe. Um, yes, I believe it Surasoe, is. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, that's another which... multi-director film, isn't it? No, I don't believe so. that's a nice Rainbow production. So they, the the three of them uh, ha- have a have a company called Nice Rainbow. The three of them is in the Funky Forest. The three directors uh, they right. have this this um, company called Nice Rainbow, and uh, that's a film that they did like proper independently. And and Ishii himself was talking to me last time I spoke about making another one of these like small, tiny, independent films. And uh, you know, it'd be nice. You know, I think Hello Junichi just by itself, uh, you know, as great as it is a film, I don't think anybody would really buy it. Um, but maybe like a package of some of his other like issue issue works, you know, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, let's just focus on Party Seven and Sasuke Man for now. But but yeah, you saw Smuggler, which um, I I was I didn't like. Uh, I was so disappointed when I saw it um, when it when it first came out. Maybe because I was such a big fan of his. But you you quite liked it, didn't you? I did for very different reasons to why I like his other stuff though. Um, so th- when I went into it, I just seen a few of the uh, stills, like production stills. Um, and I knew it was based on a violent manga. So I was like, this looks a lot darker, a lot moodier. So I was going into it, expecting him to be in a bit more of a crime Yakuza mode. And I tell you what, like, f- so first off, I was so shocked at how like insanely violent these scenes were like the he, he shoots it in a way where it slows time down so much but not in like a bullet time matrix style and more like you will see a crowbar smash into someone's face and then watch their face cave in and like the spit and the blood flying off the screen so you know 30 second fights turn into two and a half minute sequences of just people's bodies getting ripped to shreds and um, I'm sorry to say that I absolutely fucking loved that. It was just amazing. I was just blown away by how cool it was. And I, I, I'm guessing what it is, is it's like he's taken the cells, the specific cells from the manga and kind of recreated them on screen. So that's why the slow motion's there. Because you, you would just get one sort of image, wouldn't you, in the manga of a guy getting hit with a crowbar. So to show that on screen without using still photography is quite interesting. Also, um, having a big budget. I mean, that's a very big. That's a Warner Brothers film, so it's uh, yes. had a lot of money to do all that as well. That was so surprising to see the Warner Brothers logo at the start. That was nah, he's that a was big mad. name, Katsukatsuichi. I mean, you know, he, like I said, he's a he's a well known guy and a well known director. Uh, so he can get those those companies behind him if he wants to, especially with the cast. I mean, uh, yes, uh, that's it's a big name cast, and and they were. I mean, Tsumabuki is is obviously one of the biggest in Japan, and Mitsushima Ikari as well. So. Uh, it's it's yeah it's a big cast um but uh, I don't remember the film too well I just remember hating it um so, <laughs> so that, that's, very, that's all I can remember. It's very weird because it's got like it has got this kind of dark comedy in it but not really it's it's very bleak it's really violent it's kind of got a similar story actually to um one of the films you released Saiji Tanaka's Melancholic. And the mm. fact that this guy gets pulled into this like Yakuza world of getting rid of disposing of bodies after they've been killed by Yakuza. Um, but whereas that film was like really um, like mumblecore and sweet, this goes the other way and just goes super violent and, and overblown. Um, 
but I'm not going to say, yeah, I did. I enjoyed it. And it's got like cameos from Susumu Tanajima again. Uh, yeah, Renasugi's in there, who's fucking awesome. I, ever since he's passed away, I just, whenever I see him on screen, I just get so happy because he was amazing, wasn't he? He was such just incredible actor. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't expect that one to be released anytime soon. And but It I was think- released um, in America and, and and in some other places. So it was, um, it did get out there, I believe. I mean, yeah, it, it seems like a massive departure for him, and I'm not sure if he's going to go back to it. It didn't, doesn't seem like he's got any plans to. Um, but yeah, I did. I liked it enough. I don't think I'll watch it again anytime soon. <laughs> um, and the only other thing I could find from him is it's actually on YouTube, but he did a, a short film, a, like a kaiju short film um, in 2015 for Gamera, which is it was like the 50th anniversary of Gamera. Um, and it's really cool. Like you can tell that he's really um, restrained by his budget, <laughs> but he gets a lot packed into a short time. And I think it's kind of being used as a proof of concept for the idea, you know, to, to make a, a feature film. And I, I kind of said it was a bit like Shin Godzilla meets Funky Forest. So hopefully, <laughs> who knows? I, I hate Shin Godzilla. But yes, they've got the whole the new Shin series, is the... Uh... The Marvel MCU, uh, they're trying to do that over here in Japan with um, uh, Shin Ultraman is out in uh, in two months, I think. Or, and then uh, you have Shin Kamen Rider directed by uh, Shiraishi Kazuya, who did uh, Last of the Wolves. So uh, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. trying, uh, but uh, if, as long as they're better than Shin Godzilla, which is a love or hated film, and I, I absolutely I love it. it. What, what's your problem with Shin Godzilla? <laughs> it was just like trying to be so cool, like with that sort of like, let's all these happy people just talk non-stop uh, and like i thought the opposite i completely really? i was like this is not trying to be cool this is trying to show you the boardrooms that happen with this sort of stuff it's not trying to be boring like... room boring rooms yeah but that's not cool that's the opposite no but it is try- it is like you know trying to be like sort of elevated um elevated entertainment oh, like I uh, see. yeah you know but it, but but just too much elevated for me, I guess. Uh, you know, it, it sort of forgets that it's it's supposed to be entertainment at times. Um. <laughs> well, I, I caught it at the cinema when it came out because I was so excited for it, being a big like Hideaki Anno fan. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it. And then I saw it again on home release and loved it even more. I, I think it's great. Um, hey, I was so pissed off when I saw that in the cinema. <laughs> right. uh, but, uh, you know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> well, look, in that case, so what, one other thing that I want to talk about just before we, we sign off is that I kind of, on my mission going through all of his films, I kind of got sidetracked a couple of times. And I found two films that I really, really want to recommend uh, to the audience. And one of them is another live action Hideaki Anno, and it's um, Cutie Honey. <laughs> which is the Eric Sato starring um, the live action uh, adaptation of Gonakai's manga. You know, have you seen that one? I have, but I, it was released on in England on DVD by um somebody. I have the old English DVD, uh, but uh, I haven't seen it since. Uh, yeah, since it came out, so um, nearly twenty years ago. It's so much fun, man! It's like Power Rangers on meth. Like it's just so camp and like nutty and again it's like it's quite perverted there's a lot of uh Elika sato in various stages of undress um japanese uh, manga is is all perverted yeah. so you know when you have that sort of similar thing what do you expect i was gonna say like i think that's kind of it, it, it comes from the territory doesn't it with those sort of is it like the magical girl mangas they just all have 
a lolicon uh, country we have here in Japan. It's all, all <laughs> li- li- loving little girls. Uh, what can you do? It's just so cool. And they've got this like team of villains that are just epic. They all have their own color schemes that kind of flood the screen when they're on, you know, and they have these epic battles. And like I said, if anyone grew up watching Power Rangers, you'll be instantly at home with this. But um, but I think as well, I got I kind of geeked out on the fact that it was Hideaki Anno again, knowing that he was the one behind it all. Because there, there is some really shoddy effects. And you can <laughs> tell that like the budget was not there for this, that he not the budget he wanted. Um, but yeah, it's super fun. And yeah, if you're a fan of like Japanese culture in general, there's going to be so much to enjoy from that one. I mean, it's better than some, you know, like uh, Mamori, Mamoru Oshii who did a Ghost in the Shell. I mean, when he made some live action films and especially if you if you making animation, you know, the budgets of trying to convert what you're what you want to do in live action is obviously obviously makes it a lot harder. Sure. You know, then you can do an animation and you can do uh, uh, be- because of, well, for the obvious reasons. Um, and sometimes some of those directors turn to live action. It gets really bad. And and um, Mamoru Oshii, like some of his recent live action films have been fucking atrocious. I just saw his most recent one and it is absolutely <laughs> horrible. Oh, really no. hard but because it's like those names, you know, like uh, it's Ghost in the Shell and all that. Like every time he has a new film, like... Uh, you know, actually, with all of his films, like, what, what, somebody came up to me, oh, you know, there's a new Mamoru Oshii, can you get me a screen now? You know, I'm desperate to see it. I'm like, have you seen any of his, like, live-action films in years? Like, they're, 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 they're crap. Sure. And, uh, but but Hideaki Anno is, is a bit different in that respect. And, uh, you know, he did a film called Ritual, which is a fantastic drama. It's a really, really good... Uh, it's very hard to find, unfortunately, but um, uh, that's also a great film from him and and actually well got bring it back to funky force like i think he's a really great actor isn't he so uh, he's phenomenal he's yeah i was gonna bring <laughs> it up that's why i looked him up because he's so funny in that and he partly obviously in homeroom he's just amazing but like he he plays an animator in the film and <laughs> you can see his process and then there's a really weird cutaway to the the animation that they've made which is just so bizarre isn't it it's like the it's like a battle scene in the schoolyard I don't yeah, even know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just mental. He's so talented, though. He's clearly like someone who can write and direct and animate and act and produce and all that. It's like, yeah, I've got a lot of respect for that. Um, and he seems, seems, uh, I mean, from, from seems quite a decent guy as well. On top of it, so um, totally that helps. Yeah, but I love that he's kind of part of this Ishii extended universe because, like you mentioned before. Um, Ishii does a lot of work with Koiki, who did Red Lion, he's in Animatrix and stuff. And he even did a thing called Trava, the Fist Planet, which was like this OVA that was supposed to happen. He did one episode, I think it was like a pilot. Mm. And it was like a it was almost like a prequel to Red Line set in the same universe. And it was a bit like Cowboy Beboppy. I know you're not really a fan of anime, but like all of his films have these little animated segments in it, don't they? Like they do, in, they part, do. in Party Seven, it's like the introduction to the characters and <laughs> It's so cool just to have that. I, I, yeah, I guess it's just like two worlds converging a little bit. And I really get off on that. I think it's cool. Yeah, I think it really works um, when you have those sort of... I mean, I don't like watching anime films, uh, feature films. Um, but but having... If you have that sort of pop, pop uh, 
you know, feelings to the Amazon live action, and then it, like bursts into anime for a little bit. I mean, obviously, just like Kill Bill. I mean, uh, you know, when you want something that is very hard to to do in live action, you know, but just having that scene in as an anime, it works fantastically well. And I think that's also why he made that scene in Kill Bill, um, because like it's it's a perfect little segment that uh works really works so well. Yeah, it's like the backstory for Lucy Liu's character, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And her father getting killed and everything. Yeah, amazing stuff. Okay, so and there was just one more that I discovered, and it was part of my um, kind of man crush on Tadanobu Rasano. Um, well, just looking at what other films has he done that I've not seen, and it's Gen Sekiguchi's Survive Style Five Plus, which is another kind of I want to say anthology film. It's like a bunch of different stories that all merge together, but it's all done by one director, and it was just fucking brilliant. It was so, so good. Um, it took me a little while to get into it at first. I was a bit kind of... Because it, it starts off with Asano basically burying his wife. He's killed his wife and he's burying her. And you don't really know why. <laughs> and he goes home to his house and he he's like starts drinking milk straight from the fridge from the carton. And he turns around and his wife's back at the dinner table again looking pissed off at him. And that's just how it begins. And it's not explained why or what. And yeah, from there, it just gets weirder. But um, have you seen, you've seen this, right? Of course, uh, I, I love it. And that's also a film that I've been uh, trying to to remaster right now as well. And um, that also has some music rights issues as well. Um, that, that, yes. But um, there's loads uh, of cool music in it, actually. Yeah. So. But that's also a situation like um, with Katsui Tuishi is that there's a lot of connections there in the fact that he's a commercial director or he makes commercials for a living. And uh, he made this film, uh, Survive Style 5, which bombed. And uh, I think that that just sent him right back into commercials. And he, and he never made anything since. But there's actually a film that I released uh, many years ago that nobody ever saw called Quir- Quirky Guys and Girls, which is right. an yeah, omnibus. Yeah. And one of the omnibus films in that is the only other film that he made, um, Seguchi again. It's a short film called The House of the Abandoned Salaryman. And that's right. uh, that's also what he did. But yes, he, he only made, uh, his only feature film is uh, Survive Style 5. And it's a pity it bombed. Uh, and it's also a pity there's music rights issues that, that make it so that many more people can't see. But it is cult mainly because of the um, because of Vinnie Jones, I guess. Yeah, which is interesting, actually. So I wanted to get to that. So... One of the re- I did know of the film, but I'd never I'd never taken the time to watch it, and it was mainly because of Vinnie Jones, who, <laughs> when I was about oh God, I must have been about ten or eleven. Um, I went on, on on a family holiday to Greece with my parents, and Vinnie Jones and his family just so happened to be at the same resort. Um, and funnily, I don't know if you know, uh, there's a celebrity chef here called Ainsley Harriet. You heard of no, him? No, no. <laughs> he was there too. So it was this super <laughs> surreal thing with like the three of them. Um, but yeah, he, uh, Vinny's kids were about our age, me and my sister. So we kind of became friends. And so we kind of spent two weeks with Vinny Jones and his family. And um, I won't say too much because I'm sure it would probably be, uh, <laughs> be libelous towards him. But like he wasn't a great guy, I'll be honest. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine he is. Yeah, no. Who's ever um, seen him play football? For goodness' sake. Well, yeah. So we did actually watch. We actually watched him play football, and he actually hurt a guy, apparently by mistake. But yeah, he tackled him funny, and he ended up hurting his ankle. <laughs> he didn't break um, his balls, did he? <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was around the time that uh, 
it was just before actually when Swordfish was coming out. The one, um, you know, the Travolta film. Hmm? Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I remember him talking about that a lot. So he must have just filmed it, maybe. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting one for sure. But yeah, I just I never I never really got on with his films since, and I knew he was in this, so I just avoided it. But what I will say is, I think he's used really well in this, like because he's basically playing a thug killer yeah. who's like you know same role he always plays. <laughs> exactly, but he's the one. But when I put up my tweet about now watching, people just kept replying instantly going what's your function in life yeah, yeah, yeah. and i think Classic. that's the most like you know um sn- uh, soundbitey part from the whole film um but yeah i just thought this film was amazing like it makes perfect sense he's a commercial director because every scene like the the production design is just a beautiful piece of pop art in and of itself the music is amazing the colorization uh the performances are hilarious and I won't spoil it, but there's a through thread where uh, a salary man who's bit down on his luck goes to this hypnotist, this public hypnotist, and says, if you don't get hypnotized by me, you'll win a million yen. And he instantly gets hypnotized and turned into a bird, at which point the hypnotist dies straight after. And then the man has to basically live his life as a bird from then on, which is funny in and of itself. But then it ties it up perfectly at the end with something that happens. And it's just utter genius. I was I was sitting by myself watching it and I was almost like applauding the television. Uh I just loved it to bits. Yeah. And it's kind of a perfect way to kind of finish this this journey, you know, with Ishii and uh with Asano and and everyone. I mean Yeah. I mean, you've got Yoshiyuki Morishita in there, who's the guy that most people know is the guy with awful teeth. Um, and Arakawa Yoshiyoshi, who's also like uh, very similar for that typecast, uh, but the, the the chubby guy. Um, yes, you know he yeah, always yeah. always plays those co- comic. He's a comic relief. Uh, um, and in real life, he's a very very serious guy. Uh, but uh, you know, I guess because he has that face, he gets this uh, comic relief role. And so does uh, Morishita. Yes, he always plays the uh, the the comic relief because of his teeth. But he's a very very good good comic comic relief. He's brilliant. He's so good. And they've got Kanji Suda in there and Jai West, who, yeah. Kanji Suda's like... in every, every film ever. And, <laughs> uh, yes, and, and to tie up to, to Onoda as well, uh, I was mentioning, like, um, uh, from watching Funky Forest and uh, Warp Forest, with, and, 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 yes, Survive Style, Kanji Suda's and everything. And then, like, he's in this French war film playing uh, Onoda Hiro, and it's absolutely amazing in it. And, and for the first time in his life, not overacting, which is... Uh, it was amazed me so much that I I had to double check with the with with the film credits because I thought that um uh, it was a different kanji suda. Yeah, I can't wait to see that, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, I guess. But yeah, I can't. Yeah, I had such a good time through the whole thing. Um, so again, I, that's what I love about this podcast. It, I get to see this amazing release that you do, and then I go on a weird like dive into the history of Japanese cinema that I've just never seen before. And yeah, it's just been amazing. And the good, um, the good ones. I mean, you know, these are all great standout classics and films that they can't make. I mean, has there been a film? Have there been films like that nowadays? I mean, it's it's oh. hard to find. Uh, and it's like these films, like uh, Nakashima Tetsuya, like uh, Ishikatsurito or Sakuguchi Gen's uh, Survivor Five, like this very very well edited, very well made pop 
uh, entertainment films. They just they, there aren't many of them nowadays, uh, and that's very disappointing. You know, every time I go to, I'm complaining about uh, watching some boring Japanese uh, drama. I mean, uh, you know, it's I, I wish back uh, to these days of of when there were films like that. And you and you you're lucky because you're just watching these sort of great. And I'm watching bloody 300 awful <laughs> films a, a year because uh, I'm trying to find the next uh, good film. I know. Trust me, I know how lucky I am. I'm, I'm pinching myself every day. Um, but you're right, though. Just something you said earlier. This is the perfect age for these films. Like Netflix should be funding these left, right and centre because people can drop in and drop out. You know, you can watch this over Netflix over a few days, you know. Um, yeah. H.E. the maybe- Killer, all those like all those like early 2000... Uh, there were, there were quite a few of them, and they were, they were very good. But no, like these these kind of uh, anthology, weird, super weird edited films, you know, oh, they, yeah, they would fit in perfectly with that model. Anyway, so yeah, everyone, if you're listening to this, if you have seen Funky Forest, um, then make sure you, you pre-order or buy this disc. If you haven't seen it yet, I really recommend taking the punt because it is just brilliant, and it gets better with each time you watch it. Um, and also go back and, and if you haven't seen the taste of tea yet, I mean, I, that's, I'm sure that's on sale probably, isn't it somewhere? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's, it's, it's not, not expensive. It's been, cause that's, you released that a few years ago and yeah. Yeah. And it hasn't, so it just broke, broke even, uh, last month. Uh, so it, three years after its release, it broke even. And, and this is the only version of the film that's in print in the world. It's the only Blu-ray out there and it's the, the only version with English subtitles. So, uh. It shouldn't take three years to break even, but uh, that's how it is, unfortunately. Wow. Well, I'll put links to uh, both of these releases through Terracotta in the in the notes for the episode. Um, but yeah, so I think we've got something a, a bit different next month, haven't we? Because we've got you've got two releases coming up. Um, one one yeah. being Zoki and one being an Oda. So I don't know how the episode is going to work next month. Well, yes, I mean, I mean, Zoki is a perfect tie-up to Funky Forest, and I wanted to release it after Funky Forest because it's also a sort of uh, omnibus uh, of sorts of uh, very not as strange and weird as uh, Funky Forest, unfortunately, but um, in its own way, quite strange and quirky, uh, different stories to tie up, and it's uh, I think uh, people who watch films like Taste of Tea and Funky Forest uh, should like it. Um, you know, Matsuru Ryuhei from all the Toyota Toshiaki films is in there, and Kunimura Jun is in there as well. And uh, it's it's quite a, a I think yes, uh, for people who like Funky Forest, uh, should like it. And and Onoda is actually well, Onoda is actually playing in cinemas next month. The, the blue release release won't be till um, May. So um, right. you know, but but yes, uh, hopefully uh, you know we we can also have a, have a nice uh, talk about those films, uh, especially yeah, Onoda is a really amazing film and uh it sort of s- sticks out from uh, well first of all it's a french film uh that uh it sticks out a bit from the third window films catalog as being probably uh maybe i don't want to say better um <laughs> but but uh but something obviously it's, it's a Cannes film festival uh film that was picked by the french association of film critics as the best french film of the year and that's beating films like T- titan uh titan uh, titan uh, yeah titan um, wow and and uh, the uh, Louis Kuro film, Kuro Annette. Um, oh yes, beat, I haven't seen that film. yet. I haven't either. But uh, but in order to beat them uh, by the French Association of Film Critics, also won a Caesar Award and uh, many other awards. Um, so 
it's a fantastic film and, and it will be playing in, the, in UK cinemas from April the 15th. So I hope people can watch it in the cinema because it's really a film that, that you should watch in the cinema. And I hope we, we will uh, and we'll be back to talk about that uh, in the next podcast, uh, along with Zoki. I don't know how we'll do it, but uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out for sure. Well, that's awesome, man. I, yeah, I can't wait to see both of those. And again, so different, but exactly why I love Third Window Films. It's two very different films back to back. Okay, cool. Well, that's it. We've we've got a bit over the hour mark, but uh, you know, there's only two of us now, so <laughs> we'll have to get in touch with Tom again and see how he's doing. I worry about him. Ah, uh, he's doing all right, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, well, if you're not following Adam yet on Twitter, he's at Third Window. Um, I'm there on Twitter as well as at BenjiBox, but with a Y. And yeah, I think that's it for us this month. Unless you've got anything else to add, Adam? No, no, no. It was very, very fun talking about these uh, these silly films. So um, I had a good time. Yeah, man. It's good to see you again. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you next month on the Third Window Films podcast. Two flights up by the third window from the right. Two flights up by the third window from the right. The third window from the right Two flights up That's the one with the shape pulled down That's the 